Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome and thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. Appreciate you taking the time to check out the KIB podcast, whether you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. Knoxville splits the weekend at home against Pensacola. Six weekends left to go in the SPHL regular season. It's hard to believe we're at this point in the year already, but that is the way it goes. So Knoxville officially having played its 42nd game of the year on Saturday means the Ice Bears are 75% of the way through their regular season schedule. They have played the fewest games along with Pensacola of any team in the league. Everybody else has played 43 or 44 games. Knoxville has a three and three coming up. The Ice Bears do have a makeup game coming up in the month of March as well later on against Quad City. So should be 43. It's not the case. So the Ice Bears with 14 games left in the season, five points out of a playoff spot behind Evansville, seven points behind Pensacola. So Knoxville running out of time to make something happen, though the possibility is still there, but Knoxville's going to need the results, and it is a very tough stretch coming up, and it starts with the next two weekends. The Ice Bears are at home on Thursday, so a fairly quick turnaround to get ready for Huntsville, and then going to Roanoke for what will be the first of four consecutive games against the Rail Yard Dogs. The Ice Bears will be in the Berglund Center on Friday and Saturday and then will host Roanoke the following Friday and Saturday on March 8th and 9th. So, obviously, a lot can happen in a short amount of time in this league as we've seen. We've seen Fayetteville in the past five weeks go from kind of leapfrogging back and forth with Birmingham for the number one seed to now being down at the number four spot. We've seen Peoria ascend its way back to being the number two team. Roanoke has jumped into third. We've watched Quad City go from being a fringe bubble team to being one point behind Huntsville for the five seed. Uh, The way that Quad City and Fayetteville are trending, especially after the storm just swept the marksman this past weekend, uh, could Quad City or Huntsville jump into the top four before we get to season's end we shall find out but obviously the results for Knoxville are what are going to matter the most that was a huge win on Saturday night in the shootout a game where Knoxville got off to a really hot start Uh, a good forecheck by Knoxville which at times has been Knoxville's biggest reason for being able to take control of games but Knoxville hasn't necessarily been able to sustain that pressure for 60 minutes in most games this season so they get off to a good start get the forecheck, get the goal to Sam Dabrowski. Then you've got the neutral zone play between Osik and Robertson. It leads to Dawson McKinney scoring his 11th goal of the year. And then about six minutes later, the score was tied. Pensacola with two back-to-back goals, one with Zach Herman getting open in the slot. So once again, just like on Friday, Pensacola defenseman getting open in the zone and finding a way to put the puck on net. Um, looked like there might have been some traffic over by the crease. Uh, I thought maybe it went in off of Derek Osick and got by Zane Steves. I uh, couldn't quite tell, but uh, just based on everybody's reaction, looked like there was some frustration on Knoxville's end on that one. And then the entry pass made up the right side to Reggie Millette. 
Uh, he and Joseph Widmar just kind of worked their way in through the slot, a quick give and go. Millette had a pretty easy goal. So just like that, the score was tied. Knoxville hung on the rest of the way. And I, I think the difference is, is that I thought Knoxville did a really good job at limiting Pensacola's grade A chances where you saw in that shutout win for the Ice Flyers on Friday night, I thought Pensacola was very patient and they were willing to look for quality over quantity. So you, you kind of felt like the game was playing out the same way as the Huntsville game on Sunday. The difference is, okay, well, Huntsville had over 50 shots on goal against Knoxville. Pensacola had, you know, less than 30. And so uh, you, you kind of look at that and think, well, how, how does that happen? Well, Pensacola, I think, is a team that likes to work the puck around the perimeter, establish the OZP, try to get the puck to the slot, towards the crease, and look for opportunities to open up shooting lanes in the circles, whereas Huntsville, they have a lot of defensemen that are willing to be aggressive, guys like Alex Kilcheski that are willing to tee off from the blue line, take shots, get traffic in front, look for the rebounds, and try to find a way to get the junk goals if they have to, but they're not afraid to work the puck in transition, have guys make finesse plays. Buster Larson's already been a really good addition for them, but they, they also trust their defensemen to be able to make shots where Pensacola... You don't see the defensemen constantly get deep beyond the dots. They like to stay back. They trust their forwards to go and make magic happen offensively. And then if there's a turnover, you've got defensemen in transition to prevent those odd man rushes from occurring. So I thought for the most part this weekend, that was the style that you saw from Pensacola. And I thought in the final 40 minutes of Saturday's game, I thought Knoxville did a really good job at limiting those chances for the Ice Flyers. Obviously, Zane Steves was called upon to make a couple of really good saves. And, you know, it's a bit of a chess match move for Andrew Harrison because you have Sean Kuhn that goes in and makes 55 saves in his debut on Sunday. You start Zane Steves on Friday. Team loses four to nothing. You could make the argument that there was really nothing Steves could do about any of those four goals that he gave up. Obviously, you want to see your goalie come up with saves in any situation, but Dallas Henderson left wide open, screened on a shot from the blue line. Egan gets in on, in the high slot on a five on three. And then all sorts of problems just taking place as, as uh, the the or the breakout was difficult for Knoxville in the second period. And then you've got the backdoor pass to Sean Golka. But on Saturday, I thought Knoxville, after being outshot 10 to 5 in the first period, only limited Evansville to 25, 26 shots the, the rest of the way. So less than 10 shots per period over the final two periods. Obviously, there were some big moments in overtime. That's one of the most wild overtime sequences I've seen. In overtime alone, both teams hit the post. Both teams had great scoring chances that were denied by good saves. The three-on-one for Pensacola where the right winger drops it back to the slot. It's then moved to the left side. So Steves is coming out of the crease to challenge that shooter in the slot. The extra pass is made, and that gap is there from the left circle to that short side post. And that shot is hit really well. It's hit on target. Steves is able to slide across and kick it away with the right skate. I thought the game was over. As soon as that shot is made, you can see right where it's going. I don't know how Steves kept it out of the net. It was a really solid save. And then right after that, Knoxville gets a gets the rebound after a follow-up attempt. So the puck is then kicked out back to the left side. Pensacola has a follow-up shot that hits the side of the net, ends up behind the cage. McKinney has the presence of mind to go up the right wing. Knoxville gets him the puck. It's a one-on-one -on -one with the defenseman kind of playing towards the slot. So McKinney gets into the right circle, 
tries to get it underneath Steven Mundinger, who gets a piece of it. It gets through him, but it deflects wider than that. And for a second, I think Dawson thought that he had just won the game again in overtime and uh, would have been his fourth overtime winner of the year. But it, so both goalies make really big saves. Then Bondarenko goes down in transition after the McKinney shot. He gets an attempt in the left circle, beats Steves to the far side post. It hits the iron. And then after a whistle that leads the puck being dropped in the Pensacola zone, Knoxville gets a quick draw, a quick pass to Justin Smut in the slot. He beats the glove side of Mundinger. He hits the post. So both teams hit the post. Both teams get awesome chances in overtime. There's a rush back and forth. And then by the time that whole sequence ended, there were still like two minutes left in the overtime period. And it felt like we had played, we've been playing for 10 minutes. So uh, just, there was a crazy game, a wild start with four goals scored in the first nine minutes and three seconds. Knoxville having to hang on towards the end, got a couple of chances in the third. I thought Mundinger and Steves were both really solid throughout the game after they kind of settled down in the first 10 minutes. And then both goalies had to make big saves. Uh, I was really impressive. And then Smunt goes out. He's able to, at put the puck on net after hitting the post in overtime. So he he beats Mundinger on the glove side, uh, skates in, has that quick release um, after Steve's made a really good glove save to start the shootout. Pensacola hit the post, missed another shot. Uh, Mundinger stopped Dawson McKinney. Derek Osick missed high. And then after a really good stick save by Steve's on the attempt by Bondarenko, which I, I thought Bondarenko, you know, he was patiently waiting, snaked his way in, tried to go five hole. Um, there's been a couple of times this season, really across the league, where you know that's a popular spot to go. You can skate in tight if you can split the goalie's pads. And that goalie doesn't get that stick down in time. Steve's, I thought, anticipated it really well. Um, and you, you know, you're kind of playing that risk there. Do you cover the five hole? Do you think he's going to go to that short side post in that situation? I, I thought Steve's played it really well. I was told after the game, I haven't confirmed this with Zane, but I was told that that was the only the second shootout of his career that he's been a part of and his first in the SPHL. So I, I believe the first was when he was overseas. Um, and it, it, that's what I was told by a member of our staff after the game was that it was the only, uh, only the second shootout he had been a part of in his career. And it's only the second shootout Knoxville has been a part of the entire season and only the fourth over the last two years. And it felt like the year before that with the Jeff Carter, era, we saw a lot of post regulation games, but that's Knoxville's first shootout win in two seasons. And you know, again, we, we haven't seen a whole lot of overtime games in Knoxville. We've seen, you know, a, a handful of overtime games throughout the course of the season. Most of them have been on the road, uh, but that was just Knoxville's second shootout of the year. And then Rex Moe goes out and fakes the slap shot, comes in and just lifts the wrister right over Mundinger's left shoulder and fires it into the top of the net. And Andrew Harrison joked about it in the locker room with the team after he said, Rex, you couldn't have shot it any harder. So uh, it, it was it was a good win for Knoxville. And Another one of those games where Knoxville's having a battle to keep it close, finds a way to get it to extra in extra period to pick up at least one point, but then they find a way to get the second point as well. And in December, that was something that this team struggled to do when it came to closing out games where you saw the four overtime or shootout losses in a span of about two weeks. The overtime loss to Fayetteville. Knoxville takes a penalty and Matt Arugio scores a second goal. The overtime loss to Roanoke the following day Marcin Kavik scores 22 seconds in and you know Troy Coburn is you know expecting pass Marcin Kavik shoots it hits the goalie bounces in Birmingham in mid-January Zane Steves plays one of the best games that he's played all season and then an entry pass manages to get through two ice bears and it 
leads to a breakaway goal that ends the game after Knoxville battled so hard to get that game to overtime against the top team in the league. That was right after they lost Christian Stead and Brady Florent that week. Um, and then you have the shootout loss to uh, Evansville in mid-January. So there have been some opportunities that have kind of been been left out there for Knoxville, and now they've won three consecutive post-regulation games with the overtime wins at Roanoke, at Huntsville, and now the shootout win against Pensacola. And so Knoxville, it was a big two points that it needed, especially with Evansville holding serve by splitting with Peoria. Uh, that's that's a tough break for Knoxville. Peoria had the lead going into the second period, and then the Thunderbolts scored four times in 10 minutes. Peoria battled back, ultimately lost the game 5-4, to four, and uh, it so Knoxville doesn't get any closer and... When you kind of look at the weekend as a whole, advantage Evansville because both teams get two points. Both teams take one loss. Knoxville's still five points behind with a game in hand, but Evansville now closer to the finish line than it was before the weekend. Knoxville will play three games this weekend with the two games against Roanoke and the home game against Huntsville. So Evansville gets Quad City at home for a pair of games. Quad City's been playing very good hockey as of late. Uh, they just went and swept Fayetteville three times in three days on the road. Matt Ustaski with the between the legs goal uh, in the third period there on on game three, so that was pretty wild. But uh, and then of course the come from behind win, down four to two in the third period. They come back and win five to four, scored three goals in a span of about two and a half minutes, and Quad City won the game on Saturday. So that was the closest that Fayetteville came to winning on the weekend. And now the Marksmen have lost six straight, all in regulation. But for Knoxville. Obviously going to be cheering for Quad City this Friday and Saturday and going to need to focus on trying to pick up some points against Huntsville and Roanoke. And uh, it's a really tough look, I think, for the weekend. Obviously, Knoxville has beaten Huntsville twice this season, but both of those were games that um, you know, Knoxville kind of had to ugly up at times and had to find a way to claw for goals. And um, special teams is going to need to be a big part for Knoxville and it just hasn't been you know the best part about the weekend for Knoxville is that it finally ended its skid of you know six consecutive games giving up a power play goal and Knoxville went three for three on the penalty kill on Saturday which was huge um, but once again did not convert on the power play and now Knoxville is one for 34 on the power play over its last 12 games and only has two power play goals at home on the season and so special teams has been abysmal for Knoxville this season and the guys know it Coaching staff knows it, something that's got to improve, and you know, hopefully Knoxville can get off the snide this weekend because you know being able to generate some offense on the power play would go a long way for this team. And so for Knoxville, it's it's a Huntsville team that you just saw last weekend and a team that feels like they should have beaten you, a team that feels like they outplayed you in that game, and I think it's easy to look at when Huntsville has zero penalty minutes and outshoots a team 57-23, to 23, you feel like probably should have won the game, especially since Huntsville had a third period lead. So for Huntsville, it's there's probably going to be a chip on their shoulder, especially uh, a little bit fired up coming off that loss uh, against Roanoke in overtime on Saturday. Roanoke rallying from a two-goal deficit to stun Huntsville in that game. So you know Huntsville's going to be pretty fired up, I think, going into this weekend, and then they get Macon at home uh, later on in the weekend on Saturday and Friday as well. And then Roanoke, it's just always a tough place to play in the Berglund Center. And Knoxville's competed there their last couple of trips there. Um, you know, they got an overtime loss in late December. They got a win on February 10th. So obviously Knoxville has 
had some big moments there. They've played good stretches of hockey against Roanoke this season, but ultimately Roanoke has had Knoxville's number. They've won four of the first five matchups. They still have to play each other six more times, four times in a row uh, to start off the month of March and then the last two games of the regular season. And so those six games are going to be pivotal for Knoxville, and both teams are playing for different things. Knoxville's fighting for its playoff life. Roanoke is trying to hold off Fayetteville for the number three seed while trying to inch closer to Peoria for the number two spot. And Roanoke right now, you know, they're getting points, but they have lost seven of their last 10. The thing is, three of them have been in overtime. So a lot of extra hockey for Roanoke lately, uh, but a team that is continuing to come together after dealing with roster attrition. Dan Brenner's had to make changes, you know, losing Nick Ford, obviously, to, to go overseas. Dominic's Marcin Kavik's getting called up. Steven and Sean Leonard have been gone for stretches at times. And, uh, you know, so they've, they've had players that have just been missing. And I think whenever you have pieces like that, you know, different teams recover in different ways. Roanoke, I think, has done a pretty good job of it, even though you look at three, four, and three in their last 10 and think, well, that's not that great. Okay, but when you're talking about losing some really good key pieces of your roster and finding ways to continue to get points, not only that, Roanoke is now higher in the standings now than when all of this started. They've moved from fourth to third. Fayetteville, meanwhile, they dealt with a lot of call-ups. They've gotten a couple of those guys back, obviously missing some really good players like Simon Boyko. Um, but it, it, you know, Fayetteville's now lost six straight, and they've had some close competitive games in that stretch, but you know, the results kind of stand at what they are. I think it's still a good Fayetteville team. I think Ryan Crothers has done a really good job, but it just goes to show how difficult it is for good teams to deal with roster attrition and then try to recover from that. And I, I think it you know goes to show why Birmingham has had the success that they've had because imagine how good they would be if they still had Michael Gillespie and Keyshawn Gervais. <laughs> I, I mean, those guys would be absolutely loaded. And so Carson Rose had a monster weekend. Um, you know, they continue to get production out of Nikita Kozarev. So there are, and Drake Lover, of course, has had a phenomenal year his first season in Birmingham. And then with the goaltending that they've had from Hayden Stewart, you kind of expect that with uh, the results that they've been able to put up. So I think it's clear that. You know, different teams have been able to handle this in different ways, and those you know team identities are, are kind of starting to show themselves as you know Roanoke's going to continue to compete. Fayetteville's obviously got some work to do, but I still think that they've got talent on that roster and guys that can go out and find a way to win games. But obviously, a six-game skid like this is you know you you want to be able to get that turned around quickly as you enter the final quarter of the season, and then Birmingham. You know, they've dropped a game here and there, but they've still won eight of their last 10. And obviously, you know, losing Gillespie and Gervais, those guys didn't play a whole lot of games in Birmingham, but they made a huge impact when they did. And obviously, Birmingham's had the the guys that they've needed to stay, stay. You know, you know, Kozra has been a great addition this year. Scott Donahue's having a breakout season, though I think his talent's always been evident even before this year. Carson Rose, same thing. A guy that's been really, really solid for a few seasons now and now he is really starting to get going here late in the year and Drake Glover has just been very very steady and good for them but they have good depth pieces and guys that have come back guys like Matt Wiesner and then McGregor Sinclair has been really solid um, and then you look at the back end familiar faces with Ryan Romeo Joe Colatarsi Carson Vance and they've had to shuffle a little bit back there former Ice Bear Kyler Matthews is on that blue line but of course Hayden Stewart the stalwart that they've had in net they they finding ways to win games and getting wins out of Drennan Atherton despite having Austin Lots uh, be unavailable for some time now. So different teams handle this stuff in different ways, and I think for uh, Knoxville, you know, dealing with losses to guys like Stead, Florent, Cam Huff deciding to go overseas, 
Kirill Nishnikov deciding to to leave the the team and the organization. Uh, Joshua Carlson gets called up to Kansas City and then gets traded to Greenville. So um, you know it's it's been very different for Knoxville's perspective uh, as far as where the team is at this point in the season. And you can look at it like this. You've got six weekends left in the year. You're five points behind Evansville. Can you be one point better than Evansville each of these last six weekends? If you are, you'll find yourself in the postseason. Obviously, if you can get hot and go on a run and get a nice chunk of that back in a single weekend, that's always nice too. I mean, Knoxville gets that extra game this weekend. So after we are getting to Monday, both Knoxville and Evansville will have played 45 games. Knoxville's got three opportunities to try to get up to six points. And if both teams were to win out this weekend, Knoxville would have a, a three-point deficit to Evansville. They would have closed the gap by two points. So obviously that is easier said than done. Knoxville has not won a three-and-three three in quite some time. And the Ice Bears also uh, having to do it against two really good teams, one, two of those games on the road in a very tough place to play in the Berglund Center. Uh, but I do think overall, I think the way that Knoxville's found a way to compete I think guys are fired up. There's belief that the team can go out and find a way to scrap together enough wins, enough points. You you go out and you survive close games to at least get into overtime. Um, then I think you you know you always give yourself a shot. But it's it, you're gonna need a little bit of help. You don't entirely control your own destiny. Uh, but you know if you if you get hot and go on a run this late into the season, there's a good chance that you can leapfrog somebody if they don't maintain that same level of success that you do. So. I think for Knoxville, Saturday night, the way that game started to play out, they found a way to get it to overtime, had the chances, didn't convert, able to pick it up in the shootout. And I was pretty happy for Zane Steves because I thought he made some really big saves throughout the game, especially in the first two periods. But then in overtime, his best work came with that kick save. And then in the shootout, a really good glove save on Zach Herman and then a really good stick save on Yvonne Bondarenko. So um, I, I think for Knoxville, there's confidence that's brewing and you know, hopefully it turns into wins because Knoxville is definitely going to be trying to find a way to claw their way back into the top eight. But the road ahead over the next two weekends, uh, very, very difficult. But you can also look at it and say, hey, you come out winning both of these weekends, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe, you know, if you take two of three this weekend, maybe you split with an overtime loss uh, at home against Roanoke the following weekend. And that alone would be a very tough order for any team to be able to pull off because of how good and competitive those teams are, especially defensively. But you come out like that, you feel like, Hey, we're, we're grinding and competing with teams that have had success this season. And maybe you're a little bit closer to getting back into the playoff race. And then that final month of the season, it's, you're really setting the stage to take control of your own destiny where you can leave it on the ice. Cause the, the goal, I guess at the end of the day is to make sure that each weekend you're still in it. And so can you be closer than five points by the time you get to Monday? And then you can focus on the two home games against Roanoke the following weekend. But I think there's been a lot of excitement. There's obviously, uh, you have to credit Evansville with how they've been able to compete. Um, but at the same time, they've also taken advantage of their opportunities. You look at their last three wins against really good teams. Peoria this past weekend, they got Birmingham on Monday. They split with Roanoke that weekend. All three of those wins have come against backup goalies. They beat Tyler Roy when they beat Roanoke in overtime. They beat Drennan Atherton when they beat Birmingham in a shootout. And they beat Mario Cavalier when they hung on to beat Peoria. So, you know, can't really, you know, teams can't play the same guy every single night, but you look at it and say, hey, you know, Knoxville's having to go out and compete against the starters. They, you know, Knoxville's three wins in this, you know, recent stretch here 
beating Roanoke in overtime. They did it against Austin Rodebush, beating Huntsville on the road in overtime, did it against Brian Wilson, beating Pensacola, Stephen Mundinger, who shut them out the night before. So, you know, Knoxville's had to do it the hard way a little bit. Both teams, when you're at the bottom of the standings, everybody's having a scrap and claw any way that you can. So very, uh, very exciting as you get to the final length here and you see if Knoxville can keep finding a way to hang on and find ways to win. Who knows? Maybe we're having a, a different conversation and we'll see what it looks like when we come back for next week's episode. So appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. And again, Thursday night, hoppy leap year as the Ice Bears are going to celebrate the leap year. That's the one home game this week. Puck drops at 735. We certainly hope you'll be there as the Ice Bears take on the havoc. Also, uh, NHL referee Wes McCauley is going to be in attendance. He is going to be honored as the next Ice Bears Pillar of Champions at the Civic Coliseum. So he will be in attendance for the game. Uh, expected to drop the puck is my understanding. So uh, there will be an announcement for him. And then the unveiling of his pillar uh, should be very, very exciting. He played for the Knoxville Cherokees, his professional rookie season after wrapping up his college career at Michigan State. Uh, so had a 30-point season as a defenseman. For the Cherokees, uh, former teammate of Ice Bears GM and President Mike Murray. So, going to be a really cool night, I think, as the Ice Bears are going to be wearing their throwback Knoxville Knights jerseys as part of our weekday schedule for this year. Uh, but Wes McCauley, former Cherokees defenseman, going to be in attendance as well. So, if you're in the area, make sure to get there and get your tickets at KnoxvilleIceBears.com for this Thursday night against Huntsville. 735 puck drop. If you can't make it, we'll have the call for you on the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app at 92.5 WKCE, the flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you again for listening to the KIB podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, leave a five-star rating and review. However you consume your podcast, thank you so much for the support that we've had throughout the course of the season. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.